0: There's Bible verse I think about sometimes. Many times. It goes. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who shall I sing? Go for us. Go like a virus. Welcome back. back. This is a continuation on our discussion of Jonah and how it has been in a state of arrested development and how we will get it out. Let's recap. Actually, let's start with a gut check that I forgot to mention in the opener. As stated, most people I know are familiar with this tale of Jonah and the great Dag. That's fish in Hebrew Dag. Sounds like Brad Pitt's character in Snatch. Dags, you like dags? But and maybe I'm being presumptuous in this, I would be hard pressed to bet that most listeners have never actually read, let alone study this whole book. Have you read the book of Jonah or have you simply heard of the story of Jonah? If you hit pause in this podcast and open your Bible, you could be done with it in fifteen minutes. Give it a whirl if you want. You'll come back a little uh, perturbed. It's weird how much was left out of the story that you thought you knew. All right, let's recap for real. Again, it's a book of the prophets, but this one is weird because in this one, it's only actually about the prophet, a struggling prophet, possibly a person you might not want to have a beer with. Maybe in the thread of an ancient comic book or satire, we only got to the first line last time. Sorry for that. But you'll see how much he's thrown under the bus in this first chapter. Remember, nothing lines up in this story as we get into it. The good guys are bad and vice versa. Team Yahweh's really struggling. Pride everywhere. Spiritual efforts that border on a coma. It's the upside down. But always keep in mind that when we read Jonah, we see our reflection. And it's going to continue to sting. So here we go. Have you ever met someone that is in a state of perpetual disengagement? They are checked out. Nothing's behind the eyes. They're looking right through you. God forbid you need to lean on them at home or at work, but you know what I'm talking about. We're we're all guilty of this from time to time. My example is my daily commute. I get in the car, I start driving to the office, but if you're getting in the car and starting heading to the office or your usual route, except this day you're supposed to go to the grocery store or the gym or run an errand. You just got behind the wheel and you zoned out. You're driving a 2,000-pound vehicle. You're functioning fine, and yet you have no clue where you're going. Then you snap out of it, and you can't believe where where you ended up. That's Jonah. That's me. That's you. Some of us just happen to get caught in this in a longer stage in their life due to, I don't know, personal tragedy, poor choices, letting things fester for too long, self-pity, blah, blah, blah. Life's hard. Get a helmet. A million excuses, but you know where I'm coming from. So extrapolate that into our relationship with God or Jesus. You know the teachings. You know Jonah and the whale. You know Daniel and the lion's den. You know Samson. You might do communion. You get your kids to school on Sunday. But do you ever question the scriptures or the teachings? Do you ever sit quietly or with a group and meditate on scriptures night and day? Okay, Tyler, easy with a Southern Baptist combo, Catholicism, guilt. All right, fair enough. Just a friendly reminder. Poking the ribs. Here's something. Have you ever read a weird or tough section of scripture and then just skipped it and kept going? (laughs) I do. You read a really tough lesson or a horrific passage and you say to yourself, well, that was odd. Moving on. Where's that John 3.16 again? Where's the God is love part of this stupid book? That's my point of this podcast. I want to get to the weird, tough books and sections of the Bible and sit in it. And I don't want to move until you see it. I don't want to move until you feel it. Don't move until you process why this was included. No more being asleep at the wheel. Speaking of that, back to Jonah chapter one, the portrait of this human dilemma. So, beginning again, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Remember in Hebrew, when they use the word Lord and capitalize it, that means Yahweh, not a lowercase g, an Elohim, a deity. They mean the Elohim, the God of the Hebrews, creator of the heavens and the earth. That'll be important later. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, for its wickedness has come up before me. So remember, what does Jonah do with this information? He runs away. We explored this in the last episode. He's supposed to go east. He goes directly west, far as humanly possible, and he boards a ship. All right, so let's get to verse 4. To follow along, please, open your Bible, follow along. But when Yahweh sent out a great wind on the sea, such a violent storm arose, that the ship threatened to break up. Sidebar, depending on what translation you might have, you might have something different than threaten there. It might say about to break up. In Hebrew, the ship is almost animated or alive. It's actually a character in the story. That word is to devise or think or plan. That's what the ship is doing in Hebrew. English doesn't do justice sometimes in the Hebrew scriptures on a number of occasions. This is one of them. I would recommend downloading an app called Step Bible, S-T-E-P. It will highlight the Hebrew words in Old Testament and the same thing. It does the same thing for Greek words in the New. It, It gives you a much better handle on what's being conveyed. English is tough sometimes on these thoughts. All right, back to the book. The ship is pondering, breaking into pieces. So what do the professional mariners do? They sort of freak out. They're, they're throwing cargo off the boat to lighten the load. They are praying to any god they can think of. Chaos, terrified. They're throwing money in the water. It's over. The mission's over. This isn't a normal storm. They know a god has his hand on this storm. So what do you do in a polytheistic world? You shotgun approach. One of the gods in the pantheon is furious with us, or they're playing with us. That's what gods do. They use humans as puppets, and one of them is mad. So the pagan sailors see this and they get to work. Anyone know the sea god, the wind god? They're all praying to their own god, their own homeland, anything. Try anything. Last chance. What's Jonah doing? Read ahead. What's he doing? He's freaking asleep. (laughs) He went down to the lowest part of the ship, laid down, took a little nappy poo. Great work, Jonah. Bonkers move. Jonah's sin and flaw is on full display. A state that is so numb and deadened and flatlined. It can coast through a spot like this and continue to be checked out, blissfully unaware of the consequences of his actions. This is so infuriating. Who could sleep through this? Be careful. Remember to keep that mirror handy when you're reading this. Who's suffering as a result of this sin, of Jonah not listening to Yahweh? It's sure as hell isn't Jonah. He's fine. <laughs> not a care in the world. Could not care less about what he's done. He's great. The people that are suffering happen to be everyone around him. Uh-oh. Has that ever happened to you? Very insightful piece of scripture here. You should read the Bible. His sin, he knows better than God and acts accordingly, has led him into a state where he is completely unaware of the ruin he has laid on all around him. He is a wrecking ball in the lives of his peers and has no clue. This is the nature of sin in our lives. It creeps upon us so damn fast. And then all of a sudden the rock is past the peak and it's going downhill and it's, it's too late to stop it. If I have this secret sin and no one knows about it, I can keep it under control. I can handle it. Very Western thought these days. I'm not hurting anyone. Let me do me. Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Here's the rub. The scriptures show us over and over. You, you don't have to be a Jew or a Christian to see this. That this thought is so utterly naive and flawed and you know it. You know it. And so do I. Back to the book. Verse 6. So who gets to wake up old uh, Sleepyhead here? Who goes and throws the lights on like dad back in the day at 6 a.m. for school? It's the captain. The captain goes down in his ship and looks at this guy and is like, (laughs) you got to be kidding me, man. How the hell are you sleeping? Get up. Call on your god. Maybe he will help us and take notice so that we will not perish. Maybe Jonah's God will notice us. You get it? You see the humor there? Does, does Jonah's God happen to be noticing them at the moment? Uh, yeah. Got the message on that one. Loud and clear. Who's the only one who doesn't seem to notice? The prophet. Who happens to forget to pray or call on their own deity? The prophet of Yahweh. Unbelievable. So verse 7. Alright, huddle up everyone. Conference room, five minutes, everyone's in there. Calling on the gods thing isn't working. Throwing cargo isn't working. Let's cast lots to find out whose fault this is. Casting lots is like the ancient dice throwing. Throw them bones, magic eight ball, etc. So they do. The Israelites did this also. And you're not going to believe who it falls on? That old dovey dove, son of faithfulness, Jonah himself. He wins the lottery. Might be Shirley Jackson's the lottery. A little literary humor for you there. So they go to him and ask him, verse 8, this is a weird question, verse 8, what is your job, stranger? (laughs) Where do you come from? What's your background? You can feel the panic still in them for obvious reasons. So what what does Jonah give them? A one-liner that doesn't help their fear, obviously. He says, I am a Hebrew, his race, ethnic ID card, and I fear the Lord, or I worship the Lord, aka Yahweh, remember, capital L, the God of heaven who made the sea, And the dry land. And this is a little something that I would add to this that they were all probably thinking. So you decided to run from the God that made the sea on a boat? Great. Pause for laughter. Maybe you're thinking the same thing as... Here's what I'm thinking on this as the reader. No, you don't, Jonah. (laughs) You don't fear Yahweh. You don't worship Yahweh. You don't even respect Yahweh. This answer is, I'm sorry, it is religious, corporate bull. It's bull mess. It's a joke. His words and his actions are in complete contrast. What kind of a person says one thing and then goes and does the opposite? Oh, damn it, where's that mirror? Here we go again. You have done this from time to time. So have I. Your preacher has done this from time to time. Your mentor, your teacher. Your parents, your spouse, your neighbor, your coworker, your boss has done this, and it always surprises us. You can't get too far in this story without falling into this trap. It's a very annoying story. (laughs) This book is so great. So these guys are like, well, that's great, man. Thanks for jumping on our boat to run from the God that made the sea, you moron. So now we're all going to die. Great to meet you. So now they are all seriously, I mean, shaking terrified. It's like the author just threw it in there that the sailors already knew he was running from this god. Maybe, maybe there was a discussion on the port. This isn't in there. I'm just spitballing here. Before they left, I mean, they, they know that he's running from a god. So it's like, hey, stranger, welcome aboard. Business or pleasure? Oh, I'm running from a god. Okay, that's pretty weird. All right, you paid your fare. Doesn't matter. Come on in. They know this is probably it. A worshiper of a deity that made the sea is on a boat and has obviously done something to make this god furious. Yet again, a moment of the upside down. The people that are outside of God's chosen people are the ones who see his nature. And how obvious this is and what is going on. Who's the one that's oblivious? <laughs> the prophet. No clue what's happening. Another example. Tale as old as time. People's God's people being hypocritical. Saying one thing and doing another. And all of these sailors are just collateral damage in this in their own viewpoint. Which is per the use of the gods. They don't care. Humans are toys. They're not gods. So they go to him, last-ditch effort. Verse 11. Okay, all right, Jonah, if this is your God, what do we do? What calms him down? What does he like? So Jonah says, just kill me. What? What? Yeah, just kill me. He doesn't say that exactly, but that's what he's saying. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. It'll become calm. I know this is because of me. Oh, poor Jonah. That's how you might want to take it. There are two ways to take this. Jonah has, he's either had a change of heart. Oh man, look at this mess I made. I can't believe what I've done to these poor sailors. What a disaster. Such an idiot. You might read a commentary at the bottom of your Bible and many people have this take. And you know what? It might be correct. Or he might be running even faster. What would be the fastest and most efficient, surefire way to get out of this stupid mission? To die. Just, just kill me. Lord, kill me and get this over with. Put me out of my misery. I mean, this could be it because this won't be the last time you ask Yahweh to kill him, dude. This guy's crazy. I love this guy. All right, so it's not clear. The storyteller leaves this out as an option. You can take it how you want. I think it's intentional. Meditate on it day and night. I read we're supposed to do that somewhere. Explore motives. Hell, we don't trust the motives of our own heart, let alone the motives and thoughts of someone else's actions alright verse 13 I think this is an absolute eye roll by the sailors they're basically like great great plan genius and they immediately just they they stop trying to have a rational conversation with this guy and they start rowing like crazy back to shore but of course they couldn't the sea grew stronger and stronger this plan is lost verse 14 great verse what did the pagan sailors do go back to verse 5 what did they do then who did they cry out to All the different gods. Now, after all this, they have come to a place where they recognize that only one God could do this. What this God is doing is different. And it's time to turn. To repent. To lean in. Who's the only God that can save us? That is Yahweh. This is the first prayer of the story. (laughs) And who does it? Better yet, who hasn't even thought of this as an option? Oh, Jonah. Unreal. So the prayer's a little clunky. This is fine. Something to to the tune of, Please, Yahweh. Am I I pronouncing that right? Yahweh? Don't kill us because of this guy. (laughs) Please, Lord, we don't know what to do. Only you can save us, so I guess this is what you want. So they take Jonah and a one and a two and they heave him over the side. (laughs) Then it says they were really, really scared now. They don't know if that's what this God really wanted. But they sure do fear him. So, who says they fear Yahweh? Jonah. Who actually fears Yahweh? It seems like these pagan sailors do. Then it says they offered sacrifices and made vows to him. Okay, this takes a bit of a stretch, but do you know what kind of a fire is needed to burn a goat or a cow? I mean, are you thinking they made this fire on the boat? I don't. I think it'll, I mean, they're in enough trouble. They're going to start a fire that'll burn the whole thing down. I think it implies that they got to the land and probably, I don't know, asked around, went to a Hebrew temple, and made a sacrifice later. This storm did something to them. They are changed men. Despite the ridiculous and terrible message by the chosen mouthpiece of God, people still got the message. Don't miss that in this story. God's plan and message doesn't need you to have words like an author like Hawthorne. Don't worry. God is capable to work through us. Don't miss that. God's own prophet is so checked out because of his sin, he doesn't even realize the life change that just happened to these people he's met. He's too focused on himself and his own problems to be a light to anyone. Man, American Christianity, it can look like this sometimes. A whole culture of people who don't get it. I fear Yahweh. Oh, did you know that he created the world in seven days? Six days, actually, on the, on the last one he rested. He didn't really need to rest, but he did it for us, blah, blah, blah. And then these people act differently at home and at work when they're pressed back to the book when the heck is jonah gonna wake up man this is frustrating verse 17 and the lord appointed a great fish to swallow up jonah and scene roll credits if this story ended here this would be a terrible story so sad in the belly three days three nights But it doesn't end there, as we will discuss next time. Jonah's eyes are wide open now, finally, very aware of Yahweh and his power. He starts spouting beautiful poetry deep down. Chapter 2 coming up. So, to recap, the arc of the story. Jonah is a mess, running, never doing anything right, hurting others, wasting his life. Then he hits bottom. Bottom of the bottom. Bottom of the ocean. Death has swallowed him up. Hands up, powerless. And who is there with him? Who sends the fish? This reeks of the gospel. Do you see it? Sin and rebellion and brokenness, and God meets him there. Jesus meets us there. A chance at new life, a second chance. Jesus is the opposite of Jonah. He is God become human and the perfect human. Come down to save us from ourselves. And, you know, what did we do to him? We kill him. Jesus, Jesus absorbs all our sin and ruin and takes the hit for us. Then, somehow, God's plan to conquer death by giving up his son saves us. What do you say to that? When you meet Jesus, you get a second chance, a reset, just like Jonah gets. That's what this is about. A new, better life where you are on borrowed time and you know it. You don't deserve it, but you get it anyways. Pure grace a gift you could never give back. So take it. Don't do survivor's guilt. Take it and run with it. Has Jonah done anything that worked himself into a position of being saved? No. He just gets saved. A hypocritical, hateful man that is saying, Uncle, I give. And this is where God meets him. This. This is the good news. God's grace happens to us. You can't work your way into salvation, and neither can Jonah. And thank God for that. Jonah is helpless. You are helpless. I am helpless. Praise the Lord that he decided to throw us a fish, a savior. Dear God, I am a mess. I don't know what to do. I just know that I need you. Thank you. And don't let us turn this into verse nine with this gift where we worship God and we go to church. We attend Wednesday study. We pray when the preacher tells us to actually, he prays for us. Don't let us be that version of American Christianity. Wake up. Wake up to the broken body and the spilled blood. Wake up to the mercy and the amazing grace. I am Tyler Parker, and Sunday School is out.